This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of For Real is brought to you by the Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read and is a great gift for readers this holiday season. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which I personally love, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices. Voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd, which we all love doing, and read a book about books. Get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant. Find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Get one for yourself or for the readers in your life at Book Riot dot com slash read harder journal. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is. Or try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Alice Burton, and fellow rioter Kim Eukera. We're recording on Thursday, November 21st. Hello, Kim. Hello, Alice. How are you today? I'm decent slash pretty good <laughs> for a number of reasons. I am wearing my favorite shirt right now, which says all your books are belong to us, um, <laughs> which is, of course, a super fun meme. And I got it on uh, the Open Letter Press uh, which is a, a small independent press. Their website, they have like, you know, I think initially it was a fundraiser and I was like, oh my gosh, I love that shirt. And um, they're still selling it as far as I'm aware. So check them out. Well, that sounds delightful. What a, what a lovely shirt. I, uh, you are wearing something else that is new uh, since the last time we recorded too. Oh, that was good. That was smooth. Thank that you. Was- that was great. Um, I got engaged last Yay! week. And so I proposed to my girlfriend on Thursday. She proposed to me on Friday, which everyone was like, did you plan that? And basically, I suspected when she was proposing. And I was like, I have to do it before she does because she's so <laughs> creative and kind and thoughtful. So I was like, she's going to do a better job. So I have to do it first. So there's not like a precedent set. But um, yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. Thanks for mentioning it. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm just like sitting here squeeing. I'm so, I'm so thrilled. I have nothing even close to that exciting to share. So I think we should just move on and continue with the episode because I just, I have nothing to add beyond how excited I am for you guys. Thanks, Kim. Yes. Oh, we wanted to um, mention before we jump into the rest of the episode, thank you so much to everyone who has left a review and a rating on um, Apple Podcasts or your podcast catcher. We have read all of them and they are so delightful and we are very, uh, grateful and pleased for those. So uh, thank you for that. 
And so with that, we will jump quickly to our um, second sponsor. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Uh, have you tried Book Riot Insiders? If not, the time to try is right now. Uh, Book Riot Insiders is our resource specifically designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it for free for two weeks. Uh, there are many different levels available, so you can decide which perks you want, from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. Uh, and speaking of other perks, uh, we've got a new... We have a new release index curated by uh, Liberty Hardy, and this index lets you see the most exciting new books coming out in the next few months. Uh, I use it all the time. It is amazing. It is just, it's so, it's so great. So check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. And so with that, we're going to do kind of an abbreviated nonfiction in the news section because uh, this week's episode is our holiday gift guide, and we have a lot of fun books to talk about for that, so we don't want to spend too much time uh, in this area. But the one piece of nonfiction news that we did want to share uh, is that the National Book Award was announced, Book Awards were announced uh, this week on Wednesday, actually, so yesterday from when we're recording. Uh, and the National Book Award for nonfiction went to The Yellow House by Sarah Broom, uh, which I am thrilled about. Um, it is a debut memoir, um, and I just think that's really exciting that, I don't know, it just feels like the National Book Award, like, going to a memoir is really great. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like book awards often go to, like, very, and not to say that this isn't a serious memoir, but they often go to, like, very serious nonfiction. Um, and so having it go to something that is a little more personal is really delightful to me. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts about that either. Um, I had not thought about it in that context, but I totally agree. Um, I feel like this is another one of those instances where people can forget what nonfiction encompasses, which is a mm -hmm. huge amount of material, and one of them is memoirs. So uh, congratulations to Sarah Broom. That was a you pick on the podcast, I think. You you it talked was. about The Yellow House? Mm -hmm. Yes. Embarrassingly, though, I have not actually finished reading it, so I probably need to just like sit down this weekend and do that because it's clearly amazing, and uh, I should have finished it long ago. <laughs> I mean, I'll be interested to hear your final verdict, but um, from what I, I remember you ta saying when you had read, like, a good deal of it, you were saying yeah. that it was fantastic. It is. The writing is beautiful. The storytelling is really great. So, And it's uh, a good peek at um, just a, a different part of the United States and that I, I don't know a lot about. So I, I liked it very much. So it well-deserved, although the other nominees were also great. So uh, that's awesome. Um so yeah, so this week's episode, as we alluded to, or I guess not alluded to, we explicitly said in the last podcast, is a holiday gift guide episode. So we asked people to write in and um, if they had suggestions for, um, or if they needed uh, book recommendations for people in their lives or even just for themselves, that we would do our best to give some recommendations. So uh, we had four people who wrote in asking for books, which I'm excited about. I think that's more than we got last year. So thank you to all of them. And we're going to do our best to recommend some good books that hopefully other people will be uh, curious about. So um, the first uh, request came from Andrea, and Andrea wrote that uh, she's looking for a book for her grandpa for the holidays. Uh, she's looking for something about sociology or ethics, um, and her grandpa is a former criminology professor, and so he can be hard to buy for. Um, and so this one uh, is super fun, I think. And I have two suggestions, and then Alice has one, so maybe we'll alternate uh, between them so I don't keep talking so much. But uh, the first book I want to suggest for your grandpa is Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Uh, and I have talked about this book on the podcast several times before because um, it's so great, and also it's going to be a movie coming out in 
January, I believe, starring Michael B. Jordan. But um, Brian Stevenson is the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a legal practice in the South that um, defends people who are in need. So people who can't afford lawyers, people who have been wrongfully accused or condemned for crimes. Uh, they do a lot uh, with death row inmates. Uh, and so this memoir um, just tells his story of, of becoming a lawyer and moving to the South and opening this practice and the people that he has tried to defend um, and tried to help in his practice. Um, the main sort of uh, story in, in the book is the case of a man named Walter McMillan who is on death row for a crime that he says he doesn't commit. And so it's all about trying to um, move that through the legal system while he also, Brian Stevenson writes about kind of his whole legal practice and, and everything about being a lawyer and what he's learned. So it's a really... Um, it's a, it's a wonderful book. It's really well written. Um, Brian Stevenson is a very compelling narrator. Um, the story of Walter McMillan is a, a page turner because you want to know what happens. And I think it's, it's just a great read. So, um, definitely a good pick for people. Um, I think who are interested in ideas of sociology and ethics for sure. Um, would, would enjoy that. So that is Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. I really need to read that. I remember seeing it in a, a bookstore recently and I was like, dang, that trailer looked really good. And like, yeah. So I focused a lot on the sociology part of the question for for this particular gift guide request, and I was um, walking the stacks of the Chicago Public Library, just like checking out their main sociology section and what looked interesting. Found a lot of options, but um, this one is uh, pretty recent and is uh, extremely, um, I was going to say extremely esteemed. That's a phrase, right? I can say that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it is White Trash, the 400-Year Untold History of Class in America by Nancy Eisenberg, who also wrote The Problem of Democracy. So um, in this, so it is, it's a history of the class system in America, focusing a lot on um, well, the, the phrase that they use frequently, of course, is, is poor white trash, right? And the, just sort of talking about how America is, you know, it was founded, we have this whole, um, I don't want to say myth of equality, because, right, it's, it's more of like a, a hope of equality. That, but we do sort of say uh, frequently that we, it is, like, America is equal and everyone has an equal chance and all this, which um, has more and more been exposed as not true. So um, Eisenberg, uh, Nancy Eisenberg talks about, you know, how we had this original sort of founding myth and then how it has played out in a, a class system um, or a class viewpoint, really, because if we look at things right like from like an intersectional perspective you have um among them you have like race and class and she in this i think it's really interesting that she focuses on it and of course i a history is always good especially for um i would assume a sociologist because then they get lots of data so it goes starting from honestly the 1600s in jamestown when um the the various sort of you know settlers came over and and had the uh, the wealthy planters who not even planters the wealthy young men who came and didn't know how to plant and then they starved um, because no one knew how to farm except for um, a few of the uh, poorer men who who showed up with them and it kind of goes through that um, it goes to uh, it, says, it says that they were talked of as um, waste people offals rubbish lazy lovers and um, clay eaters which huh. 
It, right. There's a lot of things where it's just sort of like interesting things you don't hear very often. And again, a perspective that I feel like is is not talked about as much. And there's, so there's a lot to do here. She talks about the New Deal and Linda B. Johnson's Great Society and kind of comes up even to like reality TV show today. Um, so in terms of, again, a, a, a very uh, well-reviewed a sociology book that with a lot of sort of like things to um to chew on that's a phrase i don't use often however i feel like it's applicable here i again recommend a white trash the 400 year untold history of class in america by nancy eisenberg excellent um i have one other quick pick um because i feel like just mercy i've talked about a lot and it's pretty popular and with the movie it's maybe a really obvious choice so uh, the other slightly less obvious choice i want to mention is a book called another day in the death of america by gary young uh, and this is a book that um looks at the uh, epidemic of gun violence and its effect on children and teens in the united states so uh, it starts from the a premise that or the fact that on an average day in america seven children and teens die from gun violence and so what he does is um gary young picks a day november 20 2013 and writes profiles of all of the children and teenagers who are killed by guns that day. Um, and so he goes across the United States. He looks at all of these different stories. Um, some he can get a lot of information from because their families are cooperative and want to tell their stories. Some of them, the families are really reluctant. And so he has a harder time putting those stories together. But uh, it's basically just a look at all of the different ways that gun violence affects children in the United States. Um, a lot of the stories some of them, I think, maybe conform to what our, our stereotypes of what gun violence is or who is affected by gun violence, but then a lot of them don't, and they're really surprising to hear these stories, and they're very, obviously, sad and sobering um, because these are children who are are killed. Um, so he uses all of these stories to kind of explore what it means to live in a country that can't seem to enact meaningful gun control legislation um, and, and just what that is about. So I thought it was a, a really incredible read when I picked it up and I, I think it would be an interesting one to give for someone who's interested in kind of that sociology, um, criminology kind of side of things. Uh, so that is Another Day in the Death of America by Gary Young. That was good tying in the criminology too. Mm -hmm. I did not think of that in my my library wandering. So <laughs> glad you covered that, Kim. Um, so the the next question that we have for the gift guide comes from uh, Clem. And uh, they said, my partner is a triathlete and loves to read books about or from cyclists and triathletes. Uh, there are not that many of them, so he is running out of reading material and I am running out of ideas for gifts. <laughs> Could you recommend good nonfiction on sport or by sports people? I think what he enjoys is reading about personal achievements. And uh, yes. Kim, you have a good personal achievements pick. I do. Yes. This is um, one of my very favorite books. I think it's one I have recommended a lot to different people just because um, I think it's like surprising how great it is. Um, and it's called The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans and Their Epic Quest for Gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics by Daniel James Brown. Uh, and so this is a book about a, a team of rowers from the University of Washington and their quest to make it to the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Uh, and what is 
there's a lot about this book that's super interesting, but, um, so the 1936 Olympus, uh, Adolf Hitler was in power in Germany. And so he was trying, his plan was to use the games to demonstrate German dominance at sports and show the world that like everything in Germany is great, but also like we're dominant and we're awesome. And so Olympic crew racing was an area in which European um, teams were expected to do super well. And so, uh, the United States was a huge underdog in this area, but, um, and especially the University of Washington, like, Crew racing is typically something you associate with, like, East Coast schools and richer people. Um, but the University of Washington team was just a bunch of kids. Um, they're described in the book as farmers, fishermen, and lumberjacks. And they came together, and they became a really elite team. And so they competed with East Coast teams, and they eventually got to represent the United States at the Olympics. And it's this huge Cinderella story about these young men kind of taking on these goliaths of crew racing in 1936 in Europe. Um, and it is, it is so good. And I recommended it to a bunch of people because I remember reading it and, like, kind of knowing what happened because obviously it's history. So, like, we know what happens. But, like being fascinated by the descriptions of crew racing and being so excited and like as like turning the pages being like what is going to happen how can he describe crew racing in such an exciting way and so the fact that these these young men overcame these huge obstacles to compete in these olympic games um, and have this kind of incredible moment of achievement individually and then together uh, i think it makes this a really great read for particularly what this person is looking for so additionally it's just it's so good i recommended it to a lot of people and all of them have really liked it so um this is one of my go-tos it's uh the boys in the boat nine americans and their epic quest for gold at the 1936 berlin olympics by daniel james brown um i was really hoping that you would talk about that one so when i saw it <laughs> on your list i was like yes so um i decided uh because your partner um is a triathlete and likes to read also about cyclists that felt sort of like a more of like solo activities although i very readily admit i have no idea mm -hmm. how a triathlon works um, maybe they have buddies. I don't know. So, uh, I picked two books. So I will, I will talk about them somewhat more, you know, briefly than I would otherwise. But the first is A Necessary Spectacle, Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs, and the Tennis Match That Leveled the Game by Selena Roberts, which if you're like, is that like that movie? It is. So there was a film called <laughs> The Battle of the Sexes starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell, uh, which is really good. And so this is that same tennis match where um, Billie Jean King was challenged by tennis player Bobby Riggs and she really didn't want to play him, right? Because it's that whole like, I don't have to prove myself to you thing. Um, and basically events happened in the tennis world so that Billie Jean King ended up playing him. And it was, it's this very sort of, um, triumphant moment kind of story. So the whole personal achievement thing also reminded me of that. Selena Roberts, the author is also, um, she's the only, uh, woman sports columnist in New York Times history. And uh, I'm really glad that she decided to be the one to tell this story. So the other book, um, I chose honestly because when I was, again, browsing the stacks, I thought this title was so good because that, to me, it sounds like a carnival barker. It's C.C. Pyle's Amazing Foot Race, the true story of the 1928 coast-to-coast -coast run across America by Jeff Williams. So if you're like, oh, who is C.C. Pyle? Uh, let me tell you. So he basically, he founded this foot race in the 1920s. Endurance competitions were a really big thing. So. Um, if you know of the movie They Shoot Horses, Don't They?, where it was about like a, a dance sort of endurance contest, but who could keep dancing the longest and people, I believe, died. 
so in a similar fashion, uh, CC Pyle was like, we're going to do this very long foot race. So it's 3,455 miles from Los Angeles to Chicago to New York, which uh, frankly is amazing. So the race, the book talks about this race, and then it talks about um, sort of an assortment of underdogs is how they're called, including a uh, 20-year-old Oklahoman um, and part Cherokee man named Andy Payne who wanted to win in order to win over the girl of his dreams and pay off the mortgage on his family's farm, which sounds like an old sort of trope from the 30s. Anyway, um, Paul Hardrock Simpson, who was in over his head but couldn't let down his North Carolina hometown, Mike Kelly, who was this boxer from Indiana, and um, – this 63-year-old Englishman, and there's, like, so many other people, and it, over 3,000 miles they decide to do this race, which, again, I, I cannot imagine outside, say, Forrest Gump. <laughs> so it, it just seemed more in the line of the, again, I guess, personal achievement slash pushing yourself to do your best and that kind of thing. So those are, one more time, A Necessary Spectacle by Selena Roberts and C.C. Pyle's Amazing Foot Race by Jeff Williams. Those both sound really good. I really do love a good sports book. Like, there's something very, there's something really satisfying in them, I think, because, like, a good sports book has a lot of, like, tension built into it, into, like, the winning of the thing or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Those all sound really good. All right. Um, our next uh, request is from someone who asked that we not use his or her name. So uh, they said, uh, I am looking for a book for my dad, and that is what I want. A good, solid dad book, front list recommendation. Think The Pioneers by David McCullough or Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand. My dad is in his 80s and fairly conservative. <laughs> so I'm looking at that. I missed the front list part. So actually, I have a little bit older book to recommend. Um, so I hope that that will be okay. And I apologize for not reading as carefully as I should have. Um, so my uh, book suggestion is 80 Days, Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bislin's History-Making Race Around the World by Matthew Goodman. Uh, and so uh, on November 14th, 1889, uh, Nellie Bly, who was then 25 years old, left New York on a steamship heading for England uh, on a quest that she was going to try to travel around the world faster than the fictional trip around the world in 80 days. So she was going to try to beat the 80-day record going around the world. Um, just just hours later, uh, Elizabeth Misland, who was at the time a 28-year-old literary critic, left New York by train heading to San Francisco, intending to race Nellie Bly around the world, trying to beat her beating the 80 days. So you have these two women both leaving from New York with Within hours of each other, different directions around the world, trying to go in less than 80 days. Back in 1889, which is just bananas to me. So uh, this book is all about these two women and their kind of intrepid um, quests to go around the world. Um, and it was at a time this was happening. They were both um, reporters, and so they were filing dispatches back to their various newspapers and magazines. Um, but they were doing this at a time when a lot of the, like a part of the narrative when they left, I remember, is uh, that people couldn't figure out how a woman could possibly travel at all with just one suitcase. Um, so they're dealing with this, like all of this stuff, um, while also trying to have this really exotic uh, world adventure. So um, the women were very different from one another. Um, Nellie Bly was kind of described as scrappy and hard driving and ambitious. And she kind of grew up in coal country and just kind of was a, a tenacious young woman, um, whereas Elizabeth Bisland was this very, like, aristocratic 
kind of genteel lady. Um, and so she, you know, read novels and poetry. And the book jacket says was widely referred to as the most beautiful woman in metropolitan journalism. Um, and so I just, I thought this one was really fascinating. It's a great kind of adventure story, but it's also, there's a lot of history built into it. Um, kind of the um, technological advancements that were happening at the time and kind of the historical tidbits and pieces of uh, world history that were happening at the time these two women were trying to make this uh, round the world trip. So uh, that is 80 Days, Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bislin's History Making Race Around the World by Matthew Goodman. And I guess actually I do have a front list version of, of this recommendation. Um, which is that Matthew Goodman, the author, um, has a new book that just came out within the last month, I think, and it's called The City Game, Triumph, Scandal, and a Legendary Basketball Team. Uh, and so this is a uh, story about a college basketball team that had uh, the era's brightest hopes of racial harmony and social mobility and the triumph of the underdog, um, but the success of the team was soon followed by a shocking downfall that has to do with um, fixing scores. Um, and so I have not read that book yet, but I really loved um, Matthew Goodman. 80 days. And so I think um, I would be um, cautiously recommending his newest if you if you are particularly interested in a front list book for your dad. And so that is the City Game Triumph Scandal and a Legendary Basketball Team. Um, I love a good dad book. I feel like mm-hmm. I mean, in certain certain of the genres, like uh, I'm not a you know, I'll read a David McCullough and I'll read a um, who's the one who writes all the, the ship books. Uh, Nathaniel Philbrick? Yep, thank you. So <laughs> I'll read Nathaniel Philbrick, who manages to get boats into any of his books, including the one about General Custer. I was very impressed. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I think I feel like Kim and I were both some, somewhat skirting the the whole front list quest, like request of this. However, I do have one of those for you. But the first recommendation I would make is The Monuments Men, Allied Heroes, Nazi Thieves, and the Greatest Treasure Hunt in History by Robert M. Edsel. I would 100% get this for my own dad, who is almost 80. And uh, which, of course, they made into a movie, which I've been told is very bad, but the book is is very um, fun and, you know, adventure and interesting. So, which again is, a, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, it's, you know, Hitler was, uh, his, he sent his armies to go and, um, uh, I was thinking abduct. I feel like I'm, I'm anthropomorphizing <laughs> art. Um, steal is the word that we use. Um, art throughout Europe. And so the monuments men were the special force of American and British. Uh, museum directors, curators, art historians, um, and others who scoured Europe to prevent the destruction of these art pieces. Um, and uh, it's focusing during D-Day and V-E Day. So it's very World War II heavy, should your dad um, be into that, like many dads are. And in terms of a front list choice, um, I would say American Moonshot, John F. Kennedy and the Great Space Race by Douglas Brinkley. So this is looking at the space program. Of course, this year we had the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, so a lot of space books. Mm-hmm. But this is in particular um, talking about JFK's challenge to, you know, we choose to go to the moon and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And um, that sort of just the story of that and then like how we uh, – got to that point and further on so if your dad is into either jfk or the moon i would say great pick for him um so again those are the monuments men and american moonshot 
Excellent. Those are great picks. Yeah. I was thinking about the frontless part of that, and I actually haven't read a lot of recent big historical books lately. I don't know. It just hasn't been like on my – hasn't made it to my TBR for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, I think those are all good. I like the backlist ones too. So hopefully among those four, there will be something that will be a good pick. Um, all right. Uh, and that takes us to our last um, request, which I think you're going to read, Alice. Oh, I am. So Caroline or Carolyn, what a mystery, said, uh, I have a fairly general request for you. I find a lot of the nonfiction I read is fairly heavy. That's fair. Recent reads I've enjoyed are Invisible Women, Prisoners of Geography, and Say Nothing. Thanks for the wreck. Um, that's due to Kim, by the way. And although I've loved them all, all the war and death and sexism is hard going. So I'd like your favorite happy, uplifting nonfiction on any topic to read over the holiday season. What a great question. I know, right? I just want to spend the whole rest of the episode talking about this one because I feel like we all need some like happy, uplifting things to read right about now. So for the last couple of years, maybe three-ish, um, the thing that I have been turning to when I need some uplift is uh, memoirs by uh, Obama administration officials. Uh, I find them completely fascinating. And there are a ton of them out there. And I I want to read all of them. And I feel like I often pick them up when I need a kind of a boost as just like a return to a world in which norms and decency mattered, you know? And so I have two of them that I have read that I'm going to suggest, and then one that is on my TBR for the end of the year that I also think might be a good pick, but I haven't read it yet, so I can't say for sure. Uh, So the first book is Who Thought This Was a Good Idea and Other Questions You Should Have Answers to When You Work in the White House by Alyssa Mastromonaco. Uh, And so Alyssa Mastromonaco started working for President Obama when he was in Congress uh, and she was on his campaign and then she followed him to the White House. uh, And she had a bunch of different roles, but they all kind of had to do with like getting things done. Um, And I can't remember what her final title working at the White House is, but it was a pretty close uh, senior aide to the president. And so she, the memoir is about like getting an insider peek at some of the like really big events of his administration, some of the like major trips and kind of achievements and what it was like to be in the White House at that time. Um, But also um, a lot of, it's also a book about like moments where things could have gone badly or could have gone awry, but Alyssa stepped in and helped kind of save the day. And so it's about getting things done and being a person who um, is an active member and who makes decisions and gets to do stuff. Um, one of the, I think it's a book jacket or maybe one of the reviews, um, described it as a book, uh, If Your Funny Older Sister Were the Former Deputy Chief of Staff to President Obama, her behind-the-scenes political memoir would look something like this, which I think is super accurate. Like, it's just very conversational and nice and and um, also about being like lessons for sort of being a woman in the working world. So like being confident and don't be a jerk and work hard and all of those kinds of things. So um, I find uh, I found it very like funny and also uplifting and kind of a nice read. So that is Who Thought This Was a Good Idea and Other Questions You Should Have Answers to When You Work in the White House by Alyssa Mastromonaco. And that is one. I don't know. Do you want to do one of yours and we can switch off a couple of times or should I just keep talking? Um, I think that sounds like a good idea, the switching up. I do want to say R.E. Alyssa Mastromonaco, which I'm sure I've mentioned on here before, is that I am familiar with her work on the Bachelor-themed podcast Here to Make Friends, where she oh, is yeah. a mm-hmm. frequent guest. She is extremely smart and funny. 
So I'm sure that that comes through in her book. Um, but, yeah, but I have not, I have not read her her book about working in the White House. I have just I I know her <laughs> many bachelor opinions. So my first pick for sort of like uplifting comfort reads is actually a book that I think I've recommended on here twice in the over a year that we've been doing this podcast. Um, is it a year and a half? Who knows? Anyway, so. Um, it is The Sound of a Wild Snail Eating by Elizabeth Tova Bailey. This is such a sweet, comforting book <laughs> that I just, it's short. You can just get through it and then feel good that you've finished a book. Like, there's just so much. So, okay, Elizabeth Tova Bailey, um, she basically encounters this Neohelix albolabris, which is a common woodland snail, while she, um, she's been diagnosed with this very um, debilitating uh, I'm not sure if it's a disease, but basically she's bedridden and she can't move. Like she, she just has to lie down and stare at uh, first nothing, and then her friend brings her a plant that has a snail in it. Or no, she brings her a snail and she puts it in a plant. Okay, I got this. Anyway, so she watches the snail and she focuses so hard on the snail, just this one thing. And she has all of these feelings about it and <laughs> thoughts about like, and just like observations on this tiny thing, this one snail in all of the earth. And it's just such a, again, like focused and calm book. And she sort of talks about her illness, but also what... Um, you learn about snails, which you might not think you want to do, but then you read the book and you're like, no, this is fantastic. Um, they call it the snails molluscan anatomy, which I've never seen the word molluscan before, and that's great. And, um, she's just like, Elizabeth Tova Bailey herself is just a wonderful person to spend time with. So, um, I really, really will recommend this book, um, until the cows come home. How about this, <laughs> this episode? I just throw out all the phrases I never use. Um, so it is The Sound of a Wild Snail Eating by Elizabeth Tova Bailey. Excellent. I'm so glad whenever you talk about that one and then I think like, I should read it. And then I have a friend who loves nature books and she always texts me and says, you should read that book. And then I never do. So maybe I will this time. We'll see. <laughs> Um, all right. So, um, my, uh, next, uh, I'm just going all Obama administration memoirs, which I hope is an appropriate, uh, thing to do for your, this particular reader or listeners, uh, political leanings. I guess it may not be, but I'm going all in because I find them very comforting. So, uh, the second one is another one I read this year and really loved. Uh, it's called From the Corner of the Oval by Backdory Stein. And it is totally different from Alyssa Mastromonaco's memoir. So, uh, Backdory Stein is young. She's in her twenties. Um, and she gets hired to work as a stenographer at the White House. So she's kind of like one of the lowest people on the totem pole in terms of like power in the administration. Like she has little of none. Um, but she gets to tag along on all of these trips and have really close personal access to the president and some of his senior advisors because there's a stenographer in the room during all of their major meetings and events. And so she gets to be there for these huge pieces of history. Um, but what the book really more is about is like this coming of age memoir that's set in the White House. Um, and it's just about like her being there and having these friendships and relationships and um, romantic relationships and affairs and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the reviews uh, described it as Bridget Jones goes to the White House, which um, I think like maybe sounds mean, but actually is totally perfect um, and exactly like 
why I liked it so much. Like, it's just kind of a light and fluffy-ish book, but also, like, set in this very um, high-pressure and high-stakes environment um, that I just – I found it so interesting. So it is called From the Corner of the Oval by Beck Dory Stein. I mean, I approve of you talking about Obama <laughs> memoirs. Yeah. Great just gonna job, do Kim. Um, so another one of my picks is I Know I Am, But What Are You by Samantha B, which is Samantha B's first book that um, she had published in 2011. Um, I think I read this, gosh, at least five years ago, and I think about it often. It's really weird. I really enjoy Samantha Bee. Um, I think she is hilarious. I loved her as a Daily Show correspondent, um, which is where she met her husband, Jason Jones, a fellow Canadian. And so this book is um, – it was a series of essays before that got really worn out as a format um, so early on. But she she talks about things like um, her childhood crush was on Jesus and <laughs> she wanted her name to be – mrs christ basically like she had like a notebook where she was <laughs> writing about this um one of the things that stuck with me was as a teenager she stole cars like samantha p did which is just seems so odd based on her general persona now maybe not i don't know but um there was that what else oh she had this whole thing about how when she and jason were dating early on they went on this trip and it was such a horrible horrible trip but they still did not want to kill each other by the end of it so she was like this must be the person that i'm meant to be with which i was like uh i relate to that so um i really love it in terms of comedic memoirs it's one of my all-time favorites and it is i know i am but what are you by samantha b excellent i was hoping that yeah you would come with some like funny essays um because i know that's a thing you read a lot of so very cool um the last book i'm just gonna mention super briefly is one that is like sitting next to me on my desk right now because i bought it a few weeks ago and i'm gonna read it soon hopefully fingers crossed uh, and it's called the education of an idealist a memoir by samantha power um so samantha power is a woman who served as a human rights advisor to uh, barack obama and then um after four years i think of doing that job she was named the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, and she's the youngest American to ever have that position. So um, she is a kind of an idealist who had a lot of critiques of foreign policy. And so this book is about kind of her growing up in Dublin and then eventually kind of coming to the United States and being an activist for human and a human rights activist, um, and then having to shift into the world of high stakes diplomacy in the White House. Um, and um, the reason, well, there's a lot of reasons it got on my radar, but one of them was that um, Barack Obama puts on Facebook, he'll do kind of like quarterly-ish. He does his reading lists uh, and he put this one on one of them and said it was amazing and he loved it. And so um, it might be biased, I guess, because this is a person that was in his administration, but he doesn't mention all of his administration memoirs. So I feel like this one must be extra good. So, uh, and I hope uplifting because um, it sounds like it has a lot of interesting stuff in it. So that is The Education of an Idealist by Samantha Power, which I'm going to read soon. That was real nice, Kim. <laughs> um, okay, my last pick for sort of lighter nonfiction, etc., is The Wonder Trail, True Stories from Los Angeles to the End of the World by Steve Healy. I have such a soft spot in my heart for Steve Healy. Early on in my Twitter career when I was like 26, I was proposing to people frequently via Twitter. Steve <laughs> Healy is the last man that I proposed to. 
on Twitter um, because I loved his writing so much. He wrote a novel called How I Became a Famous Novelist, where basically this guy determines to write this best-selling novel to impress his former girlfriend, and he invents this thing called the Tornado Ashes Club, which is so... <laughs> Such a best-selling novel type name. But anyway, so um, he also, though, uh, was a writer on 30 Rock. He was a writer on Veep. He is extremely funny and very smart. So this was – he also really likes traveling. And in this, he decided to go, again, from Los Angeles to the end of the world, which is basically Tierra del Fuego at the tip of South America. And he – decides to try i think he tries not to fly often but he's what i love about this book he is a huge nerd so he references the most obscure but still kind of relevant texts throughout his narrative and then lists them at the end in case you want to read them which of course you do so they don't it's one of those great books that not only is interesting and fun in and of itself but then will lead you to other books you can learn more about it um including i think he, he talks about um breaking the maya code down and delirious in mexico city and the florentine codex which is really really old um so not something you can just pick up at the library nevertheless um he talks he goes to like machu picchu and just like through um i think he goes down through central america um and he doesn't quite make it to tierra del fuego i don't believe but there's just so much that he does get to <laughs> that um it's awesome they apparently there's like a huge number of hot chocolate flavors in mexico city <laughs> and yeah and he talks about what the darien gap is and how they built the panama canal and just like gives you this basic history um of the areas that he stops in while also giving you like this travelogue thing so it's fantastic um again that is the wonder trail true stories from los angeles to the end of the world by steve healy that is excellent I'm glad we spent a little more time on uh, comfort reads because I just I feel like with everything in the world, like the more comforting books we can find for each other, the better. Uh, the whole world is just a lot right now, isn't it? It's a lot. So much. It's a lot. So those are some comfort reads. I hope that those are good picks for you, Caroline. Um, and we will, uh, yeah, so that uh, wraps up our holiday gift guide with the four requests that we had. So hopefully that gives uh, other people some ideas for books that you could pick up for yourself or others for this holiday season. Yeah. And so with that, we will end the podcast as we normally do by talking about the books that we are reading, uh, right at this very moment. Uh, and so I am, I'm actually in the middle of two nonfiction books right now. Uh, the first one is, is one that I have no idea if I will finish or not. Uh, and that is the giant uh, Frederick Douglass biography by um, Douglas Brinkman, I think. Um, I might have just got his name wrong now that I'm like thinking about it. But anyway, my book club is reading that. And so Frederick Douglass is the book we're trying to get trying to read for the end of the year. So I am, I'm gamely trying but you know, my track record on giant history books is basically garbage. So we'll see if I actually finish that. Um, one that I am uh, like actually very excited about reading uh, is In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, and this is her memoir uh, that just came out a, within the last month, I think. Um, and it is a memoir about a queer relationship that goes bad. I think that's that description is from the the book cover um, is she finds herself in a abusive queer relationship. Um, and so this memoir is about that experience. But um, what's really 
interesting about it is the way that it's structured. And so she, to every uh, chapter, every section is called the dream house as something. And then it uses different literary formats, formats or genres or narrative tropes to kind of give one perspective on this relationship. So like one little section is written as erotica and one is written like a romance novel. Um, one is written like the prologue to an academic book. Um, another one reads like an academic text looking at fairy tale villains. Um, and so each of those little chapters gives you one view at this relationship or one angle to kind of try and look at and understand it um, and explore different ways to understand queer relationships and stories. Um, and from what I have read in reviews, it gets pretty dire and difficult to read near the end. Um, I am not that far. So, so far, like we haven't gotten into the really um, uncomfortable and uh, triggering kinds of stuff. But for now, like I'm finding the structure of it very interesting. And so I'm, I'm interested to keep going, even if it is going to definitely get more difficult to read. So I will try to report back at a future episode about how difficult it actually gets, because I know that can be a really hard thing for people. So uh, that is In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Oh my gosh, Kim, that sounds so good. Do you know how much I love when people switch up formats and like write in yeah. different styles in one book? Oh, mm -hmm. that's like the thing that sold me on the novel Vanity Fair is William mm. Makepeace Thackeray did that. And I was like, yes. Anyway, mm. um, I'm going to read that book now. So I am trying to do audiobooks uh, more throughout 2019. I know we have a month left, but I have... 16 more books to read to make it to my goal for the year so um that's one book every 2.5 days everything's going Ooh. to be fine so i'm doing audiobooks on my commute and one is uh this book called genghis khan and the making of the modern world by jack weatherford which is fascinating so interesting. I did not think I wanted to read about Genghis Khan. And then I just checked it out from the library and I was like, this is great. So I'm um, really enjoying that. I'm also doing Say Nothing mm -hmm. about the IRA and it's tough. Mm -hmm. But I'm because it's the audiobook, the um the narrator has an Irish accent, and I'm not sure which particular Irish accent, but one of them. And um it's really it's really good, but uh, a lot. So I'm trying to switch it up with some other things. So that is that is my current reading or uh, listening. I'm not sure how uh, one breaks that down. But anyway, in conclusion, you can find us on social media. I am at It's Alice Time and Kim is at Kim the Dork. And if you feel so inclined, please take a few minutes to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, that helps people find us more easily. And while you're there, then you can subscribe so you'll get new episodes the very minute that they come out. Uh, so with that, I am Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the For Real Podcast. Podcast.